Hello and welcome to another edition of Truth and Rhythm, brought to you by Funkinsliff.net. This is the interview show that gets deep in the pocket with contemporary music's foremost masters of the groove. I'm your host, Scott Dr. Jake Skolfine, musicologist and author of Everything's on the One, the first guy to funk. If you don't have your copy, get on over to Amazon and pick one up. You'll be so glad you did. Whether you're watching the video version of this at Funkinstuff.net or on YouTube or listening to the audio-only podcast version from providers like iTunes and Spotify. As always, I thank you so much for your continued interest and support in the show. Speaking of which, if you haven't already done so, subscribe to the Funkin' Stuff channel on YouTube. That's where Truth and Rhythm lives. All kinds of goodies you'll get uh, early premieres, and it's all free, so make sure you sign up. Tell a friend, tell family. Also get your official Truth and Rhythm and Funkin' Stuff gear at the FunkinStuff.net store. Cool stuff like I'm wearing right here, Truth and Rhythm shirts, Show your support and love of the show and also the musicians and the music that they represent. Um, also want to give a shout out to the Funk Exhibition Center and Hall of Fame in Dayton, Ohio, of which I'm very proud to be an official Funk Ambassador. Go to thefunkcenter.org to learn more and keep the funk alive. And now, with all that, it's time to get on with the show. Enjoy. I'm delighted and honored to welcome to the Truth and Rhythm Mothership, renowned R&B singer-composer Evelyn Champagne King. After exploding onto airwaves and into discotheques in 1977 as a teenager with the top 10 pop, R&B, and dance hit Shame, she would go on to further distinguish herself with a dozen albums, three of them certified gold sales status, and 18 top 40 R&B singles. Among her other best-known hits are I'm in Love, Love Come Down, Betcha She Don't Love You, Shakedown, Your Personal Touch, Flirt, and Hold On to What You've Got. There's a lot of love in those song titles and just as much love for my phone guest today. Evelyn, how are you? I'm good. Thank you for that nice introduction. I appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure. So glad to have you on the show today. Thanks for having me. Where are you coming to us from today, Evelyn? From the West Coast, California. Very, very hot. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, of course, we're talking off air, and it'll be a few weeks before this airs, and we're always hoping that things will improve. But for now, just yeah. very glad to know that you're safe and sound. Same here. I'm hoping and praying that everyone else is out there. It's a very, very trying time for all of us with COVID-19. Absolutely. It's been a, a crazy kind of year. No question about that. Um, yeah. And, you know, originally you're from um, New York, but grew up in Philly. And so um, why don't you kind of trace that a little bit? And, and how did you end up on the West Coast? Yes. Um, well, I'm born in, born in the Bronx, 
Bronx, New York. So I'm, I am definitely an East Coast girl. Bronx, New York, and then by way of Philadelphia, West Philly. Um, went to West Philly High and, and then moved from Philadelphia to California in 1989, late 1989. I'm guessing, you, you said it was hot, but I'm guessing you don't miss some of those winters. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I also made sure that I got out of Dodge of the, the cold being in the East Coast. Oh, my goodness. I needed the heat. So, you know, it's like you either got to complain about the cold or you got to complain about the heat. But, but I'm comfortable. I'm good. Yeah. Well, you brought the heat with you, you know, because you've had such a hot career. Oh, why, thank you. I like <laughs> that. Oh, I got to keep that in mind. Might add it in a song. <laughs> So, you know, your story is like one uh, from the storybooks as far as, you know, I know. So could you just uh, share with our viewers and listeners how you uh, were discovered? And, you know, I think if I'm right, you were only 17 when shame hit. Uh, nope. Nope. That is wrong. Um, see, the thing is, a lot of people have their their years and dates a little mixed up with me, only because uh, it came out, it was pressed seemed like it was pressed in 1979 when Shane was released certain places. But 77 was when it was, uh, I recorded it late 76. And in 77, it was, you know, it came out and it went number one. So it's a little confusion on that. But I was only 14 when I got discovered. I was discovered at 14 going on 15. You know how we always, the teenagers, we always said, Okay, I'm about to turn, you know, <laughs> when you're your teens, you always do that. So I know I was about to turn 15 when I was singing and got discovered um, by T-Life, Theodore Life. And uh, John Fitch, Ruben Cross, the writers, had the song Shame. And here I am. It's what, 43 years later? <laughs> yeah, that's a long time. So it's almost like a Cinderella story. Yeah. I was discovered, though while um, T-Life heard me singing, and I was with my mom and dad. They worked at Philly International um, as my mom was a cleaning woman. Sometimes reception, she would answer the phones if need be. Um, my dad was maintenance, and it was Sigma Sound, Philadelphia, you know, in Philly. And uh, I was heard singing while vacuum cleaning. Actually, T-Life recalls me coming out of the men's room singing um, he, he said he was already singing and then I was vacuuming and he heard me and no one is supposed to be there when you're cleaning up. My mom strictly told me that no one is supposed to be here. Let's get in and get out. Now here I'm working, you know, getting my little bit of money, you know, from my mom and dad by helping out. My sister was working there first, Wanda King, who had recently passed in 2015, my eldest sister, uh, may she rest in peace. Um, she was there, and she was not able to come one night. So I end up being there with my mom and dad. All of a sudden, I'm vacuuming, and all of a sudden, this man just comes up, tall, dark, and handsome. I didn't know he worked, you know. He was a producer, songwriter, and all this, guitar player. He comes up, and he says, you know who was singing? And I acted like I didn't know who it was. So he went back over to my mother, must have found her in the hallway again, and he just said, I need to know if that's your daughter or something he said to her. They'd him come back and go, I know that was you singing. 
one day I'm going to make you a star. That's the last words I heard from T.Y. And then he had me inside the home of John Fitch and Ruben, John Fitch, I think it was John Fitch's house, and Ruben was there, the songwriters. And he just had me sing Shame Down to them. After he told me he was going to make me a star, I was like, yeah, right. And here I am. It's, it's, it's a weird story. <laughs> I just didn't have the dress on. <laughs> the raggedy dress. <laughs> and you didn't turn into a pumpkin. <laughs> I didn't turn into a pumpkin. Wow. Um, so what was it like for you, uh, you know, going into a studio and just getting immersed in that environment? At that age, at that time, it was very, very scary. Um, it was It was shocking, but at the same time, my dad, um, at five years old, I was, you know, always with my dad. My dad was a uh, singer. He sang tenor with the harp tones. And he even choreographed some of Billy Holly. Um, so it was, it was like, you know, something growing up. We had Amidower, King Amidower. So it was really special because you're going, okay, this is a gift that was given to me from God, number one. My dad... Number two, you know, who's already in the music business, you know, being a singer. And it just stems from them. So it meant a lot for me to go in and do what I loved as well, because this was the king. This is what we always did. We entertained. So to sing in, in the studio and just give my all and do what I did, it was eerie, fun, scary. It was all those things because you're still a teenager. You're young. But I enjoyed every moment just knowing that I love to sing. So aside from your family, who would you say were some of your biggest singing influences? Oh, wow. Linda Jones was the song I sang when I was a little girl, Hypnotize. Uh, Hypnotize, you got me hypnotized. I love that song. My parents loved it. I loved it. Still love it today. It was just a song that just made me feel comfortable being young, so young. Just knowing that I, I heard these songs, my parents would play. You know, they would play from Sarah Vaughn. Uh, those are also my influences. Sarah Vaughn. You got Ella Fitzgerald. You got, uh, wow, Nina Simone. I heard um, a lot of Shaka Khan. I heard... Uh, Patti LaBelle. I mean, it's, these are my influences. These are the people that I grew up listening to. Yeah. Um, Coltrane, all of the, you know, musicians, you know, songwriters, singers. They had so many hits that were out back then that really are, are being uh, re-entered in the world today for the youth to understand what real balladeers mean, real songs, real lyrics. You know, and things that it also you can identify with. Absolutely. And Shame, you know, was a, a across-the-board hit. It went top 10 on dance, pop, and R&B. And, um, you know, were you surprised when it hit like it did? And how did it, you know, change your life? <laughs> I was actually freaked out. Uh, when Shame came out, it went all over the place, all over the globe. You know, jump number one, this place, that place, all over the charts. 
I freaked out, first of all, when I heard myself, because I was the only one home at the time when it came on the radio. And I actually fainted when I heard myself. I was like, that's me. <laughs> I believe it was me. Uh, everyone had left out of the house doing things that they do. And I was home, so when the whole family came back, I had to let them know I was on the radio. I, I could not believe it. Um, but to know that shame was, I really didn't expect it. I didn't expect it. To me, it was sad. It was sad. So it meant something. It was like, okay, what do I do now? Uh-oh. They're about to send me on the road or something. I got to go on stage and, you know, do what I got to do. It was exciting, but yet, you know, you're still a teenager. So I'm going, okay, I got school. My mom made, mom and dad made sure I had a tutor for a little bit. Uh, that turned out a little weird because uh, one of the guys was trying to hit on me. It was real funny. But <laughs> funny at the time, but then he knew better because my father said, get out. You know, so it was just a lot. It was just a lot to overcome, being so young. And how aware were you of the you know whole disco scene that was really just you know taking off at that time? When I went on the road, I was about to turn sixteen years old. I was touring, already touring, and I'm telling you, I had my own tour bus. I mean, how who does that? I mean, how amazing is that? Um, it was very, very exciting time. It was uh, also something that, you know, of course, you, when you're young, you're excited. You want to get out there and do what you do. But then it hit me in the back of my bus that knowing, first of all, it's my bus and Evelyn Champagne King is touring. And you, Evelyn King will be touring. You know, they had me back and forth with these names, you know, jumping around on the road. And I, I'll get to that. <laughs> but... I'm on the tour, and my mom and dad, I either had my mom as my um, road manager or my dad, road manager. So either one would go on the road or one of my brothers or my sister. So it was, you know, to make sure that I was comfortable and no one hurt me or, you know, did the wrong things. And they watched over me. They tried to make sure that I got paid. And, you know, it was just, it was overwhelming. But I'm telling you, I cried on one of the tours. I was getting ready to go on a long tour with the bus and say goodbye to the rest of the family. See y'all later when I get back. And my mom was with me. Now the words from her is just remember if you don't want to do this, you don't have to because I started tearing up. And she said, you do not have to do this. We can go back home. And she said, always remember, just be yourself because stars do fall. And I know you don't want that. I know you love what you do. So stars do fall, be yourself. I've always been myself. I remember those words. I heed those words every single step of the day that I take on this earth. And you know, I've always been me. I can't be anyone else. And it's been successful. So I'm very proud of that. Did you know, was part of you having a hard time then just not being used to being on stage? I mean, it's one thing, of course, to sing it in the studio, but to get out there in front of the people, was that an issue for you? Um, it was actually, it wasn't an issue. I got up there and hit it as though it was my living room, <laughs> as though I was never ashamed or afraid or scared to hit the stage. Never. I've always been 
class clown in school. I was a nutty girl in school. Um, I've always made people laugh. I was always bubbly, funny, just being myself. So it was like we were just full of entertainers already in the house, you know, so it was me and my family. You had musicians in the family. My brothers play instruments. They sing. They dance. I sang. I danced. Uh, my sister sang. She danced. So it was just entertainment all the time. So I was never afraid or, or scary. It was more so of this is not real. Is this real? You know, pinch me. I'm, I'm still a teenager. I'm going to miss school. I'm going to miss being a teenager. Being around the youth, you know, that I was around. It was for a moment. I didn't really have very many friends. I stayed to myself in school, but it, yet I was the class clown because I had to make sure that I get somebody to pay me some attention because it was I stayed alone. You know what? We we have a kinship there because I was also a class clown, so <laughs> I used to get in a lot of trouble for it. Oh, now it seems like did you get in trouble or you know what I mean? It's like I got in trouble for a moment, but it was where okay, I'm just trying to be me. And I wanted to be respected even at that time, you know, as a person. But they would laugh and they would make fun of me, first of all. I was bullied and never really came out and said, you know, that I was bullied. But I was bullied a lot. I was always trying to be nice to everybody. And, you know, I ended up being the one bullied. Hmm. Well, so was it hard that way growing up in Philadelphia? And also, uh, what was it like growing up? and the atmosphere of the incredible music of that city. I mean, in the 70s with the Philadelphia Sound and the OJs and the Blue Notes and oh. just everything on and on. Wow, the music, uh, the sound of Philadelphia, it was just overwhelming to where I, I, I just wanted to listen to it in my ear all the time. I mean, we had our tape recorders. I had my little cassette player and I would go to school. I would have my music with me, no matter what. I had Philly sound all the time. I had MFSB. I always had Billy Paul. I had, uh, uh, what was it, uh, Teddy Pendergrass. I had, I always had to have my male singers <laughs> singing to me in my ear, you know, and songs, you know, you know the groups, Heat Wave and uh, Cool in a Gang and all, all the, just the music in Philadelphia, though, that I would hear. I had to have it in my ear because it was comforting. It was fun to listen to, and it was it, it was it, it was a lot going on at the time. I mean, look at the look at the era, you know. So I stayed away from trouble, but I had my music with me, you know, all the time. It was a beautiful thing to have the music. Sound of Philadelphia was just great. And you uh, mentioned being bubbly, and I happened to catch that uh, interview you did, a uh, real nice one, um, not too long ago with Howard Hewitt. And um, you mentioned the origins of the name, so I kind of know. But for listeners and viewers, the bubbly uh, personality translated into the nickname, right? Uh, well, my, no, Bub Bubbles is my nickname, yes. And that came from my mom giving me that Bubbles, my nickname. It's a family name, everyone. So don't think you could just automatically walk up and say, hi, Bubbles. You know? <laughs> I mean, so, to me, when I was in school, that was fighting words. Because they picked on me with the with the name, when they knew it. But bubbles came from, as a baby, I used to blow spit bubbles. 
So my mom said, I'm going to name a bubble. I'm like, well, thanks for sharing that. So that way I can share it with the world because they had other ways of thinking how I got bubbles. They thought either I was too fat or it was just a lot of things they said, you know, or I was blowing bubbles in school and doing crazy things. They have all their own little ways of thinking how Evelyn got bubbles. But bubbles transformed into champagne for my name for stage because tea life, John, um, mom, tea life, my mom and my dad decided together that champagne sounds a lot more uh, mature because it was just Evelyn King. And champagne, I, I fell in love with it and I kept it. And it was taken out and I still kept it because it's my name. <laughs> so uh when shame blew up and the song came before the album right or did did the album come out and they put that as a single or well i think i don't know if it's right according to t light i don't know if it's right without first um yeah i don't know if it's i don't know if it's right was pressed first was out first and shame followed Okay, and I don't know if it's right. Also went to number seven on the R&B chart, according to my notes here. Yeah. So yeah, two top tens on that debut, very impressive for sure. And um, yeah, uh, really. That was a great song. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking that one especially probably uh, hit home for where you were in your life at that time. Well, um, no, because I was too young to be singing. I don't know if it's right. Uh, according to my dad, it was like, <laughs> he was happy that I was doing what I was doing, but you're too young sing, singing stuff like that. <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't know if it's right to let you make love to me tonight. And all, I'm, like, I'm like, really? I'm trying to get a boyfriend at that time. And my dad was like, you know, they're very strict, but for good reason, you know, but think about that. I don't know if it's right. No. Yeah, well, <laughs> for for a father, for sure, I could see that. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> how how was it, uh, you know, getting out there and meeting, you know, famous people and people that you kind of idolized and all that? Oh, wow. Very exciting. Very happy to meet um, people that I idolize. Um, uh, I met Patty LaBelle, Billy Paul, I mean, Patty LaBelle, um, Barry White and some others at the White House. That was my biggest moment ever. Um, at the White House, while I was in the ladies' room, I met Patty LaBelle. I didn't want to eat my sandwich. This might sound strange to people, but this is how I was. I was a loner, remember? I was shy at the, at the same time. I was very shy. Of course, no one believes that now. As I got older, I just like went through that just to get that. No more. <laughs> it can't be in this business. But, but I had my sandwich. I had a burger and I wanted to eat it. I didn't want to eat it in front of uh, President Carter. <laughs> so we were all sitting on the lawn. You know, I sang shame. I had to come there to sing shame. And here I am going to the ladies room. And I met Taylor Bell as I was coming out. I freaked out. I was eating my sandwich in the ladies' room, in the stall, closed, where no one could see me, where I can eat it. Now, that sounds weird. 
I met Barry White. <laughs> I met Barry White. I freaked out when I met him. That was like a dream come true. I, I met so many people. I meet a lot of people that I grew up listening to, and I have still, even even today, even in my Pandora. You know, um, it's 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 incredible to meet people that you grow up listening to, and you're on the same stage with them at the same time. That that's a true blessing for me, and that's something that a lot of artists of today, you know, that are coming out new and got to understand, you know. A lot of us have paved the way for a lot of them to come out, and we still need to, you know, we 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 still need to respect each other because we're all it's going to be turned around. We're all going to be on the same stage at some point. I met James Brown. I mean, who can say that? You know, from my time at a young age, I even played with James Brown. I opened up with James Brown at. Uh, the name of the place. Well, there goes that age. It's, it's gone already. <laughs> the memory goes away. But I'll make sure you get that info. <laughs> well, was but it? I, 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 oh, the Apollo. Huh. Wow. At the Apollo. I opened up for him. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? <laughs> my mom was in love with him. My dad knew it. But she was in love with him, and so were so many other women. But it was just so beautiful to know that their daughter was up there on the same stage as James Brown. So wow. it means a lot. Wow, that's amazing. I, I noticed that first album, Smooth Talk, we were talking about Philadelphia, um, you know, <clears throat> the music scene there. And you had um, Dexter Wenzel on there, I noticed, who has been on this show yeah. and uh, is sort of an unsung a hero in a lot of ways for a lot of that great Philadelphia music. That's right. A very gentleman. He's always been a gentleman. And, um, I mean, I knew him growing up. You know, he was also, on, yes, part of my, my career as well, being in there. Um, it's a lot of them that, some of them that even passed on, we miss, um, from NFS, NFSB, you know, played on some songs and, you just, you're just so grateful at that age, and I'm still grateful today that I'm still standing and still recognized. In that second album, Music Box, um, you had Instant Funk and Luther was on there, right? Yes. So, yeah. Yes. <laughs> really rubbing elbows with some, uh, you know, successful musicians. At Very that point. successful what they call uh, legendary, legendary entertainers, singers, songwriters, producers. Music Box ended up being, you know, they, they said it was an okay album, so it didn't do as well, but I knew I made a comeback. You know, I knew I had to make a comeback. But at least I got to do the songs, you know, on there, on the Music Box album. I mean, there were some good songs. I think they're still even relevant today. It's just the beat and the music. Some of the music could be um, updated if people, you know, think about it. A lot of the songs had something to do with either uh, getting on the dance floor, having a good time, 
or something that other people can relate to. And that's basically what we try to do when you have songwriters and, you know, and singers come together in a platform the way we're just trying to make sure that everybody can relate to something and enjoy it and sing along with it. I thought Music Box had that. Well, according to my notes, it's, it went gold, so I don't consider that, you know, stepping too far down. <laughs> well, they said, well, it did, but they're saying that it was basically not as strong as the other, you know, well, Call On Me wasn't as strong. Um, that was after that. Let me see, I had, oh, wow. Yeah, Call On Me, that's, now that started uh, three records in a row with Kashif, right? The Call On Me, no, that was, um, no, Call On Me, that wasn't Kashif. No, it was I'm In Love. Okay, the next one, I'm In Love, Kashif came into the, the picture. Yes, into the mix, and then uh -huh. Get Loose, yep, so, that was him. Yeah, your, your sound really transformed under him, I mean, what a golden touch he had, right? Well, he had a, he had Kashif, may he rest in peace, I'm telling you, he's so missed he's so missed but as you can see his his legacy still lives because it's still going on i mean he's got melba moore he's got um howard johnson howard johnson is so crazy melba moore we all we all still keep in touch with each other too um but he's got music out there that very youthful and when i came out it was it was a change of tune because it was right on the era of, you know, the sound. He was saying, okay, even though she's getting, even though her age is jumping, don't mean that her voice has to jump. We can keep her youthful. And that's exactly what he did and told me that. While we was in the studio, he was like, I just wanted to keep you youthful. And I went, okay, let's do this. So <laughs> he, he just, I mean, the man was just incredible. Incredible. He played the keyboards. He played a lot of the instruments. He sang, he produced, he wrote. Him and Paul Lawrence were together. I met Maury Brown. It was him, Paul Lawrence, Maury Brown. And they just worked good together. And here I come out with, you know, it was hit after hit. So he knew what he was doing. Yeah, and I'm in love. And to top it off, writing a serious book to educate us. <laughs> wow. And I'm in love when number one on pop, uh, no, dance and R&B. Um, yeah. Yeah. 1981. Um, yeah, he just, he really just, uh, it was so contemporary, like you, you were touching on, really, um, of the times and uh, timeless, you know, at the same time. Somehow. Right. Yeah. Um, because he wanted to make sure that it was like, okay, he said, your voice is still relevant, Evelyn, and we wanted to make sure that you keep it useful, though, to where people can hear you do something that is now. And I went, okay. You know, they was, you know, the A&R people, they just directed him to me. And, uh, I mean, look at it. Uh, it's, they still want to hear it. They still want to hear it no matter what I do. They still want to hear all the, everything I've done, they still want to hear today. And we're talking the 80s, the 70s, and the 90s. Thank goodness I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> and still sounding as good as the original time, from what I hear. Thank you. Thank um, you. Love Come Down, also such an enormous hit, number one, on dance and R&B again. Uh, 
Um, yeah. Yeah. So what what kind of tours were you doing at that point? You know, who, who were you headlining then or still going out with others? Oh, wow. It was back and forth. Sometimes I would headline. They would have me headline. Sometimes I was in the middle. Sometimes I was on the top. Um, I was working with, uh, wow, Zap. Um, let me see. I did a couple of shows with Gap Band at the time when it came out. Uh, wow, just a lot of groups. It was more so a lot of groups I was out with. SOS Band, Rolls Royce. Uh, they would just have us travel and do, you know, and it was still going on like, like that. Ohio players. Uh, oh, wow. Everybody. <laughs> I've just been out. And, and also and been, also doing a lot of uh, TV as well? Fun. Not as much television as, uh, well, back in the day, I did a lot of television. Um, how far back do you want to go? <laughs> well, 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 we're talking about these early 80s uh, hits, so I'm thinking, you know, I don't know, Soul Train, Bandstand, those kinds of things. Um, uh, yeah, Betcha I did on Soul Train. Yeah, that to me was weird. I didn't do I'm in Love or I Love Come Down. I don't think I did Love Come Down on Soul Train. I did Betcha on, love, on uh, Soul Train. That was a little shocking, actually. I did Betcha there. I had on a weird gold outfit. <laughs> well, actually, it was sexy. I was sexier a lot then. You know, you know my body, was, everything was in shape, including the glasses. <laughs> I had these glasses on that everybody still talks about. It makes me a little mad because they would say, what was, your, what, was your, what was those glasses for? Why were you trying to hide your... I wasn't trying to hide my eyes. It was, it was at the time, considered funk time. You know, the funk, funk music. And uh, I was into Parliament and who else? I mean, Parliament, uh, Cameo, and all of them. I mean, I traveled with all these people, and I had those glasses on. And when I put them on, I was made fun of. But I thought I looked pretty cool, and it looked good. If you look back on it, you'll, you'll probably laugh at it when you do look at it. But <laughs> it was exciting. As I, the mic might pick that up. I don't know if you heard it, but there's uh, some loud thunderclaps going on here right now. So that's what that was. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> we get that just about every afternoon out here in Charlotte. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, hopefully it won't uh, affect our broadcast. I hope not. Yeah. But if it does, we'll just pick <laughs> it on up again. The show must go on, as we yeah, Absolutely. Um, so, you so you mentioned getting funky on your um, uh, face-to-face record really got funky with... Uh, yeah. Uh, Leon Silver's coming in and Andre Simone. And, yes, yes. Um, I enjoy those. Yeah, what was it like working with those guys? Oh, my God. Uh, Andre Simone. That was, that was funny, first of all. Andre Simone. Um, I have to tell you, I met Andre Simone and I met Prince at the same time. Well. <laughs> that was weird. I know. And it was very special because I had a crush on both of them. <laughs> so it didn't matter. I was like, this is incredible. I got to tell my mother. When I called my mom and let her know, I said, Mom, you're not going to believe it. I'm with Prince and I'm with Andre. And it was just real cute. I mean, Prince came back. It, it, was, it was the studio, Cherokee. I think it was Cherokee Studio. I think I remember it in Hollywood. 
And Prince came back. He had his motorcycle. Yes, he had on his purple. He even had on his heels. And he actually shot a hoop, you know, doing it. Was, it was incredible. I've idolized Prince as a performer from the beginning of my career. You know, of, of when I, you know, well, when he first came out, I remembered his uh, stage presence was the thing I wanted to always capture. And that stays with me because that's where I've always been. It's like, do what you got to do to excite your audience and keep them watching you at all times. Do not stay still, which I noticed he never did. He always moved. And you entertain them. Now, thank God, I'm a singer and a dancer. Didn't get out of breath. Still don't get out of breath and do what I got to do. But to meet them, too, and, and work with Andre Simone, just great songwriters, great producers, great entertainers themselves, great musicians. I mean, you, what can I say about that? I mean, come on. Let's Get Crazy, the song, was, I, was, I thought it was a little risque to sing because it was really sexy and funky at the same time. But I love the song. I might throw it in one of my shows one day. You never know. Hey, that you might was... hear me throw a lot of these songs that I haven't done in a long time. <laughs> well, longtime fans uh, love when you do that, for sure. Yes, because they go, wow. Well, it's been a lot of requests for a lot of songs from back in the day that I haven't performed yet. And when I have to get around to it, the thing is, which, of course, a lot of them don't understand. You have to make sure that you and your band get inside the studio and, you know, well, go into rehearsal hall, and you get you got to rehearse everything from scratch. So it's, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing because, first and foremost, I'm flattered to know that they still love the songs that a lot of people haven't heard, but they heard. You can hear individually. You can sit home and listen to your, your be it vinyl, CD, cassette. <laughs> or on the radio. And you could just sit there and listen to the songs you love to hear from your artists that you love. I love that. One thing that you don't know, uh, Evelyn, is that as you were talking about it, I'm wearing a Prince shirt right now. So You are? <laughs> yeah, just happened to be. It's full purple? Uh no, it's a black one. It's from uh MPG era. But um Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh cool. Yeah. Um, but I've heard, you know, I mean, like all those guys that are so talented or a lot of them, I should say, you know, both, uh, Andre and Leon are, we're a little, a little idiosyncratic, um, you know, little quirky genius types. Is that accurate? <laughs> I didn't notice them being quirky. Um, I just, I just noticed that they were so focused, very focused on, um, the music, very fo not just very business and very focused. I didn't notice anything besides let's get in, let's do this. Um, straightforward, very straightforward with, with me as a as a youngster, you know, and learning songs. Um, very helpful. Uh, at times, I had to. I noticed that. Uh, Leon Silver, okay, Leon Silver, you mentioned Leon. Oh, also, I, I loved him working with him as well. Leon Silvers and Foster Silvers, the two brothers. Oh my God. 
their their uh, way of working together, bobbing their heads at the same time, same beat, same groove, watching <laughs> things like that. It's just, you just can imagine. The funk was with them. It's still alive. It's still there. Funk never dies. Just like disco never dies. Dance never dies. It's what you make it that makes you happy and knowing that this is you. You're still staying true to what you believe in that has made you. And that's what I see out of all of these producers. I was happy to have different range of producers on each of my albums, and I don't, do not regret anything, because it got to show that there are so many talented people out there, and you just got to give them a chance. And they were given a chance. And to me, a lot of the songs or a lot of the albums that came out, they weren't really pushed, you know, ones that I think people should really, really pay attention to. But I'm glad to know that they're still on record. Well, Leon and Andre, of course, both bass players. Um, so we talk about <laughs> f- funk, you know. But do you know? Do you remember why a decision was made, or you know, to to go in that direction from what you had been doing? Because it definitely was, you know, a little more progressive than what you had been doing right before that. That's true, and I I think it was. Um, well, like I said, the A and R when the A and R people make their decisions, I mean they they don't include the artists. Well, they didn't include include me. It was more so of we have some people here that we know that you know got some good songs, this and this. Not to say that I wouldn't have wanted to work, but you got to hear what it is first. You know, I heard it, I liked it, and I just thought that even you know still. It was a change. It was a change of pace to show the, the versatility of the artist. That's what I was thinking. That's what was going on for me. They was trying to find Evelyn's way. Okay, let's see if she could do this. Let's see if she could do that. You know, because she got a voice that's different. I'm young, and here I got a, a youthful voice. I mean, a very strong woman's voice. And it, it stayed there. Um, it was just, it was back and forth. It was back and forth. They were either trying to make me young or trying to make me older. Mm. I, I was confused myself, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I do know that I appreciated the fact that it showed versatility in my vocals, and that's what I respected more than anything. So I knew it would go somewhere, even if it went overseas, if the, the records didn't follow up, um, the music or the sound didn't go well in the States. It went well overseas. I mean, it's like make or break a choice. Well, you know, as I had I mentioned to you off here, a lot of viewers and listeners to this show are big funk fans. And so, like me, yeah. uh, Shakedown is very much, a, you know, definitely one of the favorites. Um, that song, <laughs> I mean, really throws down. It's, uh, to me, very similar in, in a similar vein to like Prince's DMSR. Um, yep. Yeah. So uh, do you remember actually like laying that one down? Yes, I do. And uh, I would put the line that uh, I like when I, I like when I say, I tell it's a shakedown, stand up to the breakdown, Hollywood's a breakdown. Had to worry about saying that, Hollywood's breakdown, give me a break. You know, I had to worry about certain lyrics, but then I had to stick with the vibe and the groove and the time. And when Leon and Ricky Free and all of it, when they, you know, when they threw all that at me, I'm like, okay, Boston, I'm like, okay, is this 
gonna be a good song for me. I don't know, but rhythm, rhythm-wise, musically, production-wise, was slamming. When we do it on stage, it's slamming. My husband loves it. The the musicians that play with me love it when we do it. They want to do it all the time. Uh, we haven't done it in a while on certain shows because it wasn't, you know, for the type of shows that it is. I mean, sometimes we got to do the disco show. Sometimes this is what I've been going through. So it's like, okay, what kind of show is it this time? But to do a funk show with that song, I remember doing it in the studio and I was just into it. I'm telling you, I wanted to just dance all over the studio. <laughs> but it was the bobbing of the head thing going on as it stopped. Like I told you, Leon just kept it going. <laughs> it was just as funky as you can believe. It's still funky. Oh, yeah. I would love to have uh, been witness to that uh, in the studio like you're describing. Oh, my God. It was exciting. Um, and you couldn't stop him. That's the thing. <laughs> couldn't stop him. And you were also doing some videos by that point. How did how did you feel about doing those? Um, when I did action, I did action videos. I mean, that to me was really funny. I was going, okay, we got some dancers in here, so I had to, you know, end up learning some choreography with the dancers on action. Uh, I did. Wow, I did a lot of little videos. Let me see. I did, of course, I did my Love Come Down video. I did my action video. I did Betcha video. All the videos had a story. And I think, I thought that they were a lot more of telling the story then than what they do today. Today, it just, it's more of a singing and dancing really quick and a lot of sexual. <laughs> We could do all that back then. Yeah, they were like mini movies back then. Yeah. And I missed that. Remember? Okay, I had Hold On. If you ever see a Hold On video of me. You ever seen that one? I, I, I don't recall, but I'm sure I've seen it. I had to slap a guy in the face. Literally. <laughs> I got to go back and look and at what it for sure. That, oh, my goodness. When you go back and look at that. It's... Uh, I was in the UK. It was then in the UK. And he supposedly had had, we was together, and he was too busy hitting on other women. And I loved the video because I get to change my clothing, the scenery. The, I had some acting in there. I was doing the acting. Uh, it, it just shows versatility and evidence. Things that I love, you get to see in each video. It's me. It's It's not all... Um, just put together when they say, okay, here's the synopsis of the story, and here's the synopsis of the video. It was just so exciting, because I had to, I got to play roles. So I was already doing my acting, but I love it. I love it. I love doing the videos. I miss doing the videos. Day-to-day -day video I did on the streets in New York. I was very proud of that. I'm a New Yorker, you know, so, you know, so I've, I've done some things, you know, with the videos that I'm very proud to say that I can even have videos that I can remember. 